Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, I'm Miriam. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. I just finished reading the book, Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. It's excellent. It's great for parents with kids of any age. Um, My guest today is the author of this book, and she says, you know, today's kids are the smartest and most driven on record, but many of them are also the loneliest, most stressed, most risk averse, and most depressed. And that was before the pandemic. A year of COVID-driven fear and isolation has worsened the mental health of many of our young people. And yet some kids are still managing to thrive, says Dr. Michelle Borba. What's their secret? It comes down to seven strengths that make kids happier, healthier, and more resilient. The reason some kids struggle while others shine has nothing to do with genes, GPAs, or playing certain sports or instruments, says Dr. Barba. It's all about their ability to develop a few key strengths that can transform them from strivers to thrivers and set them up for happiness and accomplishment later in life. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also Shell Bell Boutique, featuring today's fashions and accessories for women and girls. Visit ShellBell.com for more information. Dr. Michelle Borba is the author of Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine, and Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World, and is also an internationally renowned educational psychologist and an expert in parenting, bullying, and character development. A sought-after motivational speaker, she has spoken in 19 countries and five continents and has served as a consultant to hundreds of schools and corporations. She offers realistic, research-based advice called from a career working with over 1 million parents and educators worldwide. She's a regular NBC contributor who appears regularly on Today and has been featured as an expert on Dateline, The View, Dr. Phil, NBC Nightly News, Fox and Friends, Dr. Oz, and The Early Show, among many others. She lives in Palm Springs, California with her husband and is the mother of three grown sons, and she's here today. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just so looking forward to this. Thanks, Miriam. Yes, me too. Um, like I, we were talking before and I said, you know, I, I really did love the book. I knew when I saw the title that I was going to, um, because I think that, you know, it's so timely, first of all, and it's such an important, um, necessary, you know, skill to have to be able to thrive. And I, I don't see that, you know, I see maybe like less and less of that with kids and even a lot of adults lately. Um, so I, I knew that it was going to be great and and it did not disappoint. The book has so much more, you know, information. I know we're not going to get to everything today, but um, we're going to try to talk about the seven essential strengths of resilient kids. And then you give a lot of reasons, a lot of tips of what parents can do. So let's just, let's just talk about those. And maybe even I want to ask you, you know, what, what made you write oh, the book? Gosh. Actually, this has been a 40-year journey, Miriam. This is not had not been overnight. I started with special education kids way, way, way back when and discovered, despite severe emotional or learning disabilities, some kids clearly were, were able to thrive more. And I zeroed in on some really important research that I think is overlooked, and it's not in most of our parenting books. And it really ends up saying that thrivers really are made 
not born, that we can teach skills if it's a different skill set than a GPA. And they actually came up with this evidence by following scores of kids who overcame extreme adversity, like war and sexual abuse and poverty. And despite it all, they usually have those seven strengths. And they're all wonderful ones that we can weave into our daily lessons in our homes, in our classrooms. So it's not these seven things are it's not something like, oh, my kid's not going to be able to get that or it's too late. For example, you know what I mean? My kid's already old, older, so forget it. None of that. Wrong temperament, wrong zip code, wrong religion, not enough education. We don't have enough income. No, there's no excuse for it. We can do this. We just have to start with an intentional a plan in our head that says we've got to weave this in. It's an uncertain world and our kids are going to need resilient skills now more than ever. Yes, I, I definitely agree more than ever now. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the first one, self-confidence. And you say thrivers know who they are. And that's a big one in our house, self-confidence. A uh, huge one, because we discover that the base really of children who are able to thrive, and that means I got this. It's not mom needs to do it for me or I might as well give up. I got this and I can do it on my own. Have a strong knowledge of their strengths. They can accept their weaknesses, but they're raised on who the kid is, not what we want them to be. That seems to be an absolutely pivotal piece. The beginning of Thrivers has what parents say is the best thing in the whole book for them, an assessment of who my kid is. And each parent says, I've overlooked these strengths. So it's if you want to, just take a three by five card. And over the next week, without your kid knowing you're doing it, walk around and see what your kid gravitates towards. <laughs> what interests him? What does he say? I can't do dessert right now, mom. I got to finish this because it's really fun. That is what gives our kids a sense of purpose. Mm. They have more passion on it. You'll notice that the tenacity is a little longer. It brings them joy. But here's the other thing that's fascinating. Emmy Warner's fabulous research on resilience also said... Simple thing we overlook, resilient kids also have hobbies. They have a go-to thing like knitting or books or woodwork, or it makes no difference what it is, tuba. And when push comes to shove, they know that they're good at it, but they can also do it on their own, and it helps them decompress and feel better about themselves. So maybe the takeaway here is make sure your kid has a hobby. And if you don't, start introducing them as a family together or get great Aunt Hattie to start helping your kid learn baking via Zoom. There's so many ways that we can do this, but you got to find your kid's joy so they understand who they are and the rest of the strengths will come. Yep, yep. And I know you talk about with that, you know, you just talk about hobbies and things. It's not necessarily, it can be something like you said, like tuba or something, you know, that they've done, but it's not, you know, you said how busy we make our kids. One of the things that we're looking at is that stress is clearly building. Loneliness is certainly building and certainly physical distancing for the last 17 months has done something about that. But one of the kids also told me when I was interviewing about 100 kids writing Thrivers is they said they don't have enough time to enjoy their own company. All of the activities are ones that look good on a resume, but aren't necessarily ones that build them up from the inside out. So look at your kid's schedule and make sure you carve in a little time for them to just find out who they are. One of the simplest things, study just came out this week that said city kids during the pandemic who like nature and just walk through parks because they enjoy it, 20 minutes a day are less stressed. So 
ordinary things can make an extraordinary difference on your kid's life. As long as we're intentional about it, weave it in and make it part of your child's everyday experiences in life. I love that. And if they're so busy with all these scheduled things, they're not going to have time for these hobbies or those walks or, you know, some of those things where they kind of find themselves and things that they are good at. Exactly. And the other thing, remember, then stress builds. And what you want to know, one other little thing, the number one time our kids in the United States are most likely to drop out of school and a freshman year, first semester of college. We put all our time and energy into getting them there. And this is prior to the pandemic. University officials say they have never seen smarter kids, but they have never seen kids who are ill-prepared to handle life and don't know how to decompress or figure out who they are. They don't have a sense of purpose in their life. And that's one of the things that we've just got to add to our parenting agenda, helping your kid develop a who. Yeah. Another thing you talked about was, um, you know, help them start to gain confidence, like have them do things like you said, make a doctor's appointment or things like that. You know, my daughter um, just graduated from high school, my oldest, and I let her kind of make the calls to the college about scheduling classes. And she, when I was there as a guide in the background when she was choosing her classes and and scheduling, gave her some little, you know, tips, but I, I let her really do it. And like, she had a lot of um, forms that needed to fill out like health forms and things. I had her do it. Now I just like was there if she had a question or kind of to make sure, but I'm trying to get her to, you know, take the lead on those things to develop that, to know, you know, you can do these. Well, here's why you should get yourself a gold star. Way to go, mom, because one of the commonalities of, (laughs) yeah, all right, and boy, do we need them, right? One of the commonalities of children who thrive (laughs) is that they have agency. They've developed this ability to know, I got this. And one of the things that you said that I love is that I I became a guide, not a manager, a guide a cheerleader. So we got to slowly start walking away from always doing for our kids until we make our new mantra, never do for your kid what your kid can do for themselves. And when it's one of the simplest ways to raise a resilient kid, I got this mom. Good. Yeah. I'm glad I got a gold star, but yeah, it's, it's hard to do though, you know, because it's like, it's also sometimes like, well, I, you know, I enjoy doing things for her. I, I truly do. So, or I looked at those papers and I'm like, I could fill those out in a flash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a problem. But then I stopped myself and I was like, you know what? I'm going to let her do this is something she can do so that she knows, you know, what's going on and what she's filling out. So, right. I think just trying to moving to that guide position as your kids get older, it's not easy, but, um, you know, it's necessary to get them where they need exactly. to be. And if all we have to do is keep recognizing the why we should And if you want a kid who can thrive someday without you, and I hope that's our parenting guide and goal, then we've just got to slowly start stepping up. Another simple thing you can do is each week, or feel free to do it each month, just look at the things that that you're usually doing for your child and what's age appropriate that you can help your child learn to do for themselves, from making the bed to when they get a little older, figuring out how to do the wash or the microwave or doing the dentist or doctor's appointment by themselves. The rule is real simple. You identify what it is, then you show them how to do it. So they watch you make the appointment or make the bed, then you do it together so that your child is doing it with you. Then you step back a minute and you say, show me. And when your child has it, you say, you got it, sweetie pie. And you keep walking back and say, now let's figure out what the next skill and the next skill and the next skill is. It's 
just a simple little parenting agenda plan that we flip a little and that's another way to raise the thriver. Yeah, great. And again, none of those were hard. It's just it just takes a little thought, you know, just to stop and think and, and, and kind of just include them or have them do it. Second one was empathy. You said thrivers think we, not me. One of the highest correlations of children who thrive, resilient kids, is they have social competence. They have a, a list of here's my go-to people. And that doesn't mean that they're the most popular child. So don't misconstrue that. They don't need tons of friends, but they need a couple of loyal buddies, but they also need an adult support system. So maybe the next thing to think about is, um, does your child have a, an index card in that backpack as they go off to school where they can write down a new kid's name? How do you make introductions? Because many of our kids are now finding that the, the friends they used to have or have moved on to another group just because of what they've been doing for the last 15 months of social distancing. Yeah. How do you make a new friend? Hi, my name is. Practice at home. Wave. I know you can't smile if you're wearing a mask, but you can smile with your eyes and you can smile with your hand and then make an introduction. And that is, um, my name is, I go to this school. What do you like to do? Write kids' names down. What we discovered is that empathy is made up of skills that need to be exercised. And one of the things that we're seeing is our children are feeling very, very lonely, which is escalating the stress, says the CDC. So a, a, just an easy way to do it is first, practice those skills. Second, expose your kids to diversity. Open your own comfort levels up. So kids see a diverse world, different views, books that your children is re are reading. If it's all girls things because they're a girl, then start reading them books that have boys in it. Different cultures, different religions. It's a diverse world and empathy kids think we, not me. It is a thriving skill. Mm, really good. And you, you mentioned, you know, like a lot of times parents will try to, you know, curate empathy by, you know, we're going to do this volunteer opportunity. We're all going to go here and do this. And, and those are great. Those are great things to do to expose your kids. But it's like you said, a volunteer project is a single moment in time, which is a good thing to do. But that isn't going to like, okay, you did this volunteer project. Now you have empathy. And here's the, a couple of other things that science says to keep in your toolkit of parenting. Volunteering is wonderful. We do know that giving, not getting, is one of the best ways to reduce stress. But if you want to get it to maximize empathy and your child hasn't been doing a lot of volunteering, hopefully the first few projects are face-to-face. Because every child I interviewed said it was the look in the kid's eye or the look in the homeless man's eye. When I realized, oh my gosh, I'm a caring person. I got to keep doing this again. It made me feel so good about mm -hmm. myself. It starts face to face. And second of all, it starts with the project the kid is passionate about, not one that looks good on the resume or one that you want your child to do. Uh, one of the best things I, I heard was a 16, 17 year old boy who said, okay, I got to tell you, uh, my mom got me into a service project. And I, I rolled my eyes and he rolled his <laughs> eyes and he said, but she was really crafty on how she did it. See, I was wanting to date this girl. <laughs> oh, she was great. And I didn't have any time to do a service project, but my mom said, not because it's going to look good on a resume, but because it's going to make you feel good and find out about yourself. She knew that I was concerned about homelessness. 
So then what my mother did is she befriended my girlfriend's mother. And then what she decided to do is have the, the four of us do this project together at the homeless shelter. Well, I loved the homeless shelter. I love the fact that I was with my girlfriend. I love the fact that my mom was no longer nagging me because she knew that I couldn't say, sorry, mom, I'd rather be with her because we were all together. But the fascinating thing is I found out about myself. Then I graduated from college. I wanted to keep doing it. But I found out I love my mom even more. I said, why? He says, because I went away from college. My mom's still working on that homeless shelter. She really started liking it too. So we learned to connect together. That's a great way to do it. Find a way to connect together. I receive the most compliments on my outfits when I'm wearing something from Shell Bell Boutique. Shop Shell Bell and you're supporting a locally and female owned business. Shell Bell opened in September of 2020 and they carry many popular brands such as Fate, Vintage Havana, Vegan Warehouse, Can Can, Mono B, Nikki Vicky, and Aloha. The boutique also includes SB Girl, fashions and accessories for girls sizes 6 to 14. Shell Bell is located at 334 East Garfield Road in Aurora, Ohio. If you're not local, you can shop shellbell.com. That's S-C-H-E-L-L-B-E-L-L.com. New styles are arriving daily, and you can check out Shell Bell on Facebook and Instagram and contact the boutique to book your private after-hours sip and shop. That's shellbell.com, 330-954-8400. Self-control, you said thrivers have coping skills to put the brakes on impulses. I think, I think this is maybe hard for a lot of kids, you know, especially at certain ages, it's kind of like, you know, they just don't, a lot of kids don't seem to have that self-control. Like they just don't have filters, so to speak. A lot of parents, I should say a lot of adults, <laughs> you know, um, don't have that self-control, controlling over their emote, control over their emotions and things like exactly. that. And I think that's one of the reasons why we are seeing an unprecedented rise in stress amongst our kids. In fact, the CDC has a warning for all of us that the next wave of this pandemic will potentially be a youth mental health crisis that has never been seen the likes of it. So what do we do? When we want to help our kids learn self-control, we got to start at the beginning, the foundation. And the fastest way to begin, I learned this from working with Navy SEALs, the most elite forces in the world. And they said, here's how to teach kids how to be a thriver but also learn self-control so they can handle a challenge and it's exactly what we're doing. Number one is we identify our stress signs. We spend a long time identifying each other's stress signs so we can feel it in ourselves. You can't wait till the meltdown. You can't wait till the anger. You can't wait till your heart's in heart palpitation and then you say, calm down, that doesn't work. So maybe the first week is or month or a year, how long as it takes, Walk around your house and help each other, mom, dad, kids, identify the trigger and the sign. The trigger is what's causing the stress because it's not 24-7. It could be the Zoom call or the math test that's tomorrow or the way dad gives you that look. And then all of a sudden you feel the stress come in. So identify your triggers or your hot spots or hot times. In fact, track your own kids. You'll discover that they're not stressed all the time, but if you track them without them noticing it, maybe it's only at three o'clock or maybe it's only on Wednesday. What's going on? Maybe the nap didn't happen for the younger kid and that's why they're having the temper tantrum. And so, okay, I got to work in the temper the nap to stop the temper tantrum. Or Wednesday, that's always the time test. Let's work on helping the kids 
feel more comfortable about a time test. Second of all, what are your signs? I notice that right before you do that time test, your, your hands go into a fist or you start to grind your teeth or I see that your, your cheeks start to get flushed. If your kids feel the stress, then they can do what the Navy SEAL says this is part two. Tell yourself, chill out or calm down. Chill out, calm down inside your head. It'll take you a while, but it helps you learn what to do and then take a one-two breath. It doesn't cost a dime and it is the fastest way to chill out. You take a deep, slow breath from your real deep in your abdomen, like tell your kid, like you're riding up an elevator. Slow it up, then you hold it, and now you slowly let it out like you're blowing out a candle, birthday candle, but your exhale is twice as long as your inhale. You'll get the fastest relaxation process there is, and what you'll begin to do is help your kid learn a coping skill he can use anywhere and any place without you. And I like, too, that you mentioned, because I'm big on this, you know, modeling yes. this, um, you know they're watching no matter how old they are, you know, and I, I've seen it. We've all seen it. Like, you know, I've seen my kids react in certain situations and I'm like, yikes, you know, I, that's what I did. And that's not good. You know? So, um, you know, how, when you're maybe self-control is lacking, you know, what do you do? Cause that's probably what they're going to do. Exactly. What we discovered is the fastest way to teach any thriving skill. The book is going to have almost 300 ideas you can do. Every one of them is age-related. Don't do them all or your kid is never going to let you read another book. But find one skill <laughs> that you think is going to work for your family. And then a few minutes every day, practice the same skill. Because it takes around yeah. 21 days. So if you keep practicing it as a family together, you're modeling it. Your kid is now seeing you. And the fastest way to, to learn any skill is by showing, not telling your kid is going to be more likely to internalize and transfer the skill so he can use it in his own life anywhere. Yeah, that's so good. And I, and I really like how, um, you know, you say sometimes we excuse bad behavior, you know, they're tired, they have a lot going on. Oh, they're just, you know, this and that. Or like you said, even worse, remove them from a stressful situation. And we're not doing them any favors because you know, then they don't, they don't have those tools. And like, you know, a lot of kids today and a, a lot of kids legitimately have anxiety and things like that. But I think a lot of people, kids think they do, and maybe they don't, you know, every, every situation is different, but you know, I think they think, um, you know, I have social anxiety because I didn't want to give this speech in class. I have social anxiety because I don't know anybody at this party and I'm going to go in and I'm going to feel anxious. I think that's, those are normal feelings, you know, and I tell my kids all the time, like, that's normal. And so when you do it, when you give that speech, you may not like it. You may, you realize, then you have that frame of reference. Okay. I know that I did this before and I got through it. I, maybe I don't love it. I felt anxious. I felt the butterflies, but I got through it and it was okay. I went into that party. I was able to, you know, meet people. I talked to some people. It, it really wasn't that bad. Um, and then the next time it happens, like I said, they have that frame of reference, but a lot of parents, we don't want the kids to have any discomfort. So it's like, Oh no, no, no. I'm going to make sure you don't have to give that speech. You yeah. know what I mean? I'll write a note or whatever. And you know, let's, you know, let's make sure you don't have to go to the party or you don't have to do this, or I'll make sure I'll orchestrate it for you. So there's no discomfort. Oh boy. You just nailed every piece of science. There is one of the biggest disservices we do to our kids is try to bubble wrap them and protect them from all the stress. 
Now, the goal that we do know on resilience building is give kids stress that's slightly above their comfort level. So they begin to realize, I got this, mm -hmm. I can do it. So when the kid is so scared about the giving the speech, one of the things that you can do, again, from the Navy SEALs is chunk the fear. That means I know you're overwhelmed on standing up and giving that 20-minute speech. And I know you've got three weeks to practice it. So why don't we practice like a minute of each part of the speech? You break the fear down into smaller and smaller parts. And you help the child learn to control the fear. So you have, keep practicing it in smaller little nuggets. What actually will happen along the way, your child is gaining control, your child is reducing the anxiety, and your child is developing that, I got this kind of an attitude. So don't talk them out of the fear, it's real. Instead, chunk it into smaller parts and help them practice it until they feel more and more control over it. Yeah, I love that. And, and say, like I always say to my kids, you are going to be nervous to do that. That's normal. You know I mean, you, you are going to feel that. You're going to feel this or that, you know, so it's okay, but you can do this. You got this going back to the, you know, self-talk kind of. And then once they're done, like we said, then I talk about like, hey, you did that. I know you were not feeling so great about that. How did it go? See, you did it. So yeah, I think, I think just giving them all these life experiences, they can, they can realize. And, and I think kids surprise us. They can handle more than mm -hmm. we think if we let them. Yes. They never let us down, do they? Yeah. Yeah. They're not as fragile as we, as we think, or sometimes though we make them more, you know? Yeah. Um, so then we have integrity. The lesson there is don't get in their way. Watch your footwork. If you're always the one yeah. that's pulling the kid, then step to the side. And your goal is for, in the end, for your child to pull you. I got this, mom. Come on, let's go do it. And that takes a while, but you just keep mm, watching your footwork. And number four is integrity, because we do know that thrivers have yeah, a strong moral integrity. code. Why that happens to help your child learn to thrive is that as your kids get older, you'll discover that one kind of a challenge, there's all kinds of challenges that will confront our kids, but one kind of a challenge are moral challenges. Peer pressure. Is that right? Is that wrong? How do you make a good, mm -hmm. wise decision? And so what we know about thrivers is that when the challenge comes, they don't have to wiver and waver and try to think it through. They go, I know what I am. They have a strong moral code, and that is because we've embedded it in them. Yeah. And I think you know, integrity, like you said, it is hard to teach because not a lot of parents are teaching it. And it's a, it's a problem, like you said, with a lot of adults. So, you know, kids, I think it's, you know, they'll say, you'll hear this, you know, everybody's doing this. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, like maybe a school rule, that's a school rule, but it's really dumb. So I don't have to follow it. And parents will say that, yeah, it's really stupid. So we're not going to do that one. We're going to pick and choose, um, you know, what we want to follow and what we want to, you know, abide by. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that all goes along with that integrity, don't you think? Yes, I do. And I think one of the greatest lessons, or if there's a takeaway right this minute, or as soon as you're done listening is for every parent to once again, take out another three by five card and answer one question. Cause I think it's one of the most critical parenting questions you can ask. Pretend your child is grown up. They're healthy and happy. Cause I know that's what you want. Okay. They're successful, but here's the most important question. What are the values that you see in your child who's grown? If you can answer that question, mm. I don't care what the values are, respectful or kind or honest or persevering or any of the seven character traits we're talking about here. If you can identify them, here's what I think matters most. 
you will now have a parenting plan that is your plan and you'll find simple little ways to weave it in into your discipline into is that an appropriate movie for my child to watch was that right or was that wrong mm -hmm. and why the greatest story i've got on that one is a uh, miriam miriam perlin goes to um in fact excuse me her last name was <laughs> her last name was um oh my gosh dune Miriam Dune, she went to, she was in Florida, and every high school teacher I interviewed said, go interview Mar that girl. I said, why? She says, because she is the most amazing kid who's got such high-level integrity. Unbelievable. So I went to her and I mm -hmm. said, okay, Miriam, everybody's talking about your integrity. How'd you get that way? And she laughed and said, it was how I was raised. I said, oh, please do tell. What the heck did your parents do right? They said, <laughs> one thing when I was six, and I'll never forget it. They called us into the family room and they sat us down. My brothers were littler, younger, and mom had all these marking pens and chart paper all over the floor. And dad said, have a seat. We're going to figure out what kind of family we want to be. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, just, we're going to figure out how we want to be remembered by others and what matters most to us. There's no right or wrong, but every word that we come up with, mom's going to write it down. So by the end of about 15 minutes, she said every chart paper was loaded with character strengths. And dad said, okay, these are great, but we can't be them all. So let's choose the one that matters most to us. And whatever comes up with the next, the most votes, that's who we are. So we chose honest. And I said, well, that's pretty easy. How'd you remember it? She said it was impossible not to. My mother must have said it 50 times a day. Remember, we're the honest duns. We'd go away to, to school. My mom would, you know, say goodbye. Remember, we're the honest duns. If we did something wrong, hey, was that an honest done thing to do? My mom said it so much we became it. And I think that's how you instill integrity. Wow. Our missing piece is we don't say and repeat enough or model enough what matters most to us. So very often our kids not only don't develop the integrity, but they also don't have that moral code that they're gonna need so desperately in order to thrive. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. I remember um, once at the grocery store, I had two of my kids with me and they were young. And I remember it was snowing outside, it was mm -hmm. cold. And you know how it is taking the kids in the grocery store, the whole big thing. And so we got out to the car, we checked out and I was starting, like, heading toward the car. And I realized I had a bunch of stuff below the cart on that bottom rack that she, they didn't ring up. And so, and I'm like, I had to wrestle with myself for a minute. Cause I was like, ah, oh, it's snowing. I have these kids. I'm almost to the car. You know, you have that internal, like, um, and I, and I think I, I said it, you know, and, and I was to myself like, okay, it's not that big a deal. You know, and then you go through the whole thing. Like I spend so much money here, you know, you try to rationalize it or yeah. I could bring it back later. And then I was like, you know, and so I went back in. I'm not saying this because I'm so great. I just, because I wrestled with not doing it, you know. And so I went back in and I said, um, you know, they forgot to ring this up. You know, And first of all, the girl was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Can't believe you came back in. I'm like, well, okay. But I, you don't thank me for doing what was right. And then it, I just remember my kids were like, 
wow. Like they were old enough to know what happened, but they were still young. And they, I was just so glad I did it because, you know, they, they saw that and they, they even said like, you, no one would have known if you didn't go back in. And I'm like, yeah, but I would have. And it was a great lesson. I just saw their faces like, you know, now trust me, I'm not, I do a lot of things, (laughs) you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying this to like toot toot, but just little things like that. And just remind to remind yourself like, the kids are watching and they see like, you know, that's, that's a moment of integrity. And then they could kind of understand, I think what that means. We forget how powerful ordinary moments are to make extraordinary differences on our kids' ability to thrive. We just got to take advantage of them. Yep. Um, And then curiosity, you said thrivers think outside the box. They're open to ideas and possibilities. So when the challenge hits, the adversity hits, and it will, unfortunately, what a thriver has the ability Mm -hmm. to do is think, okay, I'm not going to let this just stop me. I'm going to figure out a solution. I'm going to figure out ways to solve it. And the only way that you can do that is to help your child take problems from the time they're two or three and say, you got this. What's another thing that you can do instead? And when your kid comes home, don't tell them the answer. Go, well, thank you for telling me what the issue is you're concerned about. Now let's start brainstorming. And brainstorming is is probably one of the most valuable skills you can teach a child who is going to be able to thrive because you just tell them the answer is inside your head. You just got to keep storming your brain. Remember, say possibilities. Keep saying them. Don't judge any idea. We're going to turn an oven timer over. You just, you know, sand, sand timer or turn up the oven timer for a couple of minutes until the, the oven, the sand runs off or the oven timer goes off. Now let's look at how many ideas you came up with and which is the one you want to try. That's the piece to curiosity. We know that curiosity is nosediving in our kids. They, we micromanage them too much. We give them the answers too often. Of course it's easier. Why don't you do this? But instead, we rob them of the opportunities to realize, I got this. Let me think of another way to do it next time. And that's going to help your kid thrive the rest of their lives. That's so good. And I think, like you said, part of it is it goes back to what we talked about earlier. If they're so busy and scheduled, you don't really have time to be so curious, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, because you just don't have time. And then, you know, you mentioned, you know, technology, same thing, you know, with, they're preoccupied with social media. They can just Google everything. Um, so it kind of squelches that curiosity a little bit. It does. And we also realize that our children at age three and four start asking those why questions. We do know that research is saying about 90% of four and five-year-olds are creative geniuses. Seriously, when they look at that. And then what we see is that that curiosity and creativity mm-hmm. starts to nosedive. Kids become more risk adversive. I don't know if that's the right answer. They're less likely to be the deep thinker. They're less likely to raise their hand and think outside the box. And those are the exact skills that our kids will need the rest of their lives when push comes to shove. And then talk about perseverance. You say thrivers persist without gold stars and trophies. Yep. They persevere from the inside out. They have what is called a growth mindset. That's Carol Dweck's science research that says Mm -hmm. one of the simplest ways that we can instill effort in our kids so that they don't quit, they don't give up, is not to praise the end product. Oh, you got 100%. Oh, you got another gold star. Oh my gosh, you got 80% right. But instead, Carol looking at thousands of kids and what is praised 
said, if you praise the effort, that's a gain, sweetie. Yesterday you were here, today you're here, and you keep praising the effort. What the child begins to once again realize is the all of the power is inside me. I just got to keep pushing myself, pushing myself, and I'll get better and better and better because real success is a four-letter word spelled gain. Yesterday I was here, today I'm here. That's what Olympic athletes use, gains. Yeah. That's what any successful person uses is a gain. Uh-huh. They never succeed overnight, but they realize the harder you work, the better you'll get. And we've got to instill that in our kids. That's what perseverance is all about. And thrivers need it because it's not easy when that challenge comes, but they don't quit and they don't give up. Yeah. You said cultural, culturally, people are no longer encouraged to keep up with anything we are not happy doing in the moment or to struggle to master something. So it's like, you said, no wonder our kids are inclined to give up because right. It's like, Oh, you're not, you're not great at it at first. You didn't master it. It's not, you know, you're not happy with it because you're not great at it. Okay. Drop it. Find something else, which obviously kids are going to try all different things and find what they like. But just because you're not, you know, perfect at it at the beginning, (laughs) um, doesn't mean, you know, to just give up on it or to only choose. I see, you know, we've talked about this in my own home. Like we don't only choose things we know we're going to be good at. Yeah. Perseverance is also checking your expectations too easy of expectations. The kid is never going to go. I got this. I did it. It's like, so what? The same level is like, okay, same old, same old. And there's no challenge. But if the challenge is slightly above the kid's Mm -hmm. comfort level, slightly above, and he knows what to do in order to improve, and you keep emphasizing the effort. That's what science says is so core to helping our kids go for the long haul and not quit and give up. Yeah, so so important. And optimism, thrivers find the silver lining. They do, and they're not Pollyannas. They know this has been a tough time. But we do know, that I, I think this is so critical because we're seeing, Miriam, a rise in depression and suicidology amongst our kids that is mm-hmm. unprecedented and so worrisome. But one of the best studies with the University of Penn, what they did is they looked at, can we do anything to stop all of this cycle? Can we raise our kids to be more resilient? And starting at younger and younger ages, and they discovered if you teach your kids problem solving, that's that curiosity piece when they're eight and nine, and you also keep telling them, it's okay, it's going to get better, or come up with a like a just a a hopeful, optimistic mindset in your home. We got this. We're strong together. It's going to be okay. We'll get through it. Not all of them, but maybe one mindset. And you keep saying that over and over again. What happens is your child is now more likely to use that mantra to stop the pessimism. Pessimism is part of life, but if it becomes permanent and pervasive, it robs hope for our kids And it starts to increase depression amongst our children. And you got to recognize that today's kids have seen nothing over the last months but a daily death count on TV. They're seeing racism that's unprecedented. Mm -hmm. They're watching a capital insurrection. They're watching horrific, horrific graphic images. So one of the best things that I tell parents to do that I just love is don't look at the bad stuff. Monitor that TV. But instead... Go to the back page of the newspaper every day. Cut out a good news report about some incredible kid who's doing something wonderful. Paste the article on three by five cards. Put them in a basket on your dining room table or right before you, your kid goes to sleep every night and review the good stuff about the world. Like Christian Bucks, 
He's a second grader, Pennsylvania, always real kids, who was so worried about all his lonely classmates that he, he went to the principal and said, you know, there's a lot of kids that are really lonely out here. Why don't we put a bench on the playground? We could call it a buddy bench. And if you're lonely, you sit on the bench, and then the rest of us could look at the bench and go, oh, he needs a friend. I'll go sit next to him. Well, Christian got the buddy bench on his playground. Yeah. But if you haven't noticed, there are thousands of benches all over schools and all over the world because kids saw that story and they said, we need a buddy bench. Inspire kids hope. Yeah, we've got one here, a buddy sure bench. You do. Yep. And it started yep. with a second grader several years ago. I, I got a call the other day from Saudi Arabia. The kids wanted to get a buddy bench there because the story went viral. So great. That's so great. I do love that idea of, you know, finding the positive stories, whether it's, you know, locally, you know, from someone, you know, or from just from, you know, the, and now we're watching the Olympics. So it's great uh, because there's always, you know, they have the feel good stories, you know what I mean about this. So that's so cool to, to watch and just, you know, what they've done and some of them, what they've overcome. And I try to, um, you know, when I ask my kids about their day, you know, you can get the, you know, one word answer or whatever, but I always try to say, you know, tell me the best thing about your day or they, they maybe they start with something negative you know it's normal they get an oh this happened at a so I listen and we talk about that and then I go tell me the best thing even if it's it doesn't have to be big but what's the best thing so I try to end on that and then we kind of focus more on that best thing even if it was just something small perfect Perfect. And you can do that around the dinner table as well because it comes yeah. in family tradition. What we've got to do is instill hope. We've got to stop the pessimism because we do know that thrivers have a more optimistic attitude about life. They're realistic about life, but they're also more optimistic. And it's something that we know is teachable. In fact, that's the commonality to everything we've said today. Every one of these skills is teachable and it's never too late to teach them. Yeah. At any age, they don't have, they're not too old. And like you said before, nothing's off limits. You can teach these kids, these um, skills, these traits to your kids. And so I knew we weren't going to get, you know, I, we could talk about this. I could talk to you for a long time and I would encourage everyone to get the book because there's so much more in the book. And like you said, there's, there's just even things you can fill out and, you know, um, surveys, all these kind of things, you know, about your kids and what you're doing. And it's just, there's so much good information in here. So can you tell um, listeners how they can connect with you and how they can find the book? Oh, thank you. Well, my I'm Michelle Borba. I'm a yes. 1L Michelle. My last name, Borba, rhymes with Zorba. <laughs> so just put michelleborba.com and you're going to find my website and scores of research there, but also downloadables. There's a book club discussion guide for thrivers, for parents. There's another one for educators. It's on a special discount right now at Amazon. It's at a 40% discount in hardback, uh, audio, or digital form. The key is don't try to read the whole book at once. I, I wrote this so that it's kind of like a parenting guide from, you know, sandbox to prom. Flip through it, find what's for the one thing my family needs this month, and teach that one little skill just a couple of minutes every day until your kids practice and practice, and finally internalize it. And that's how we raise up a generation of thrivers. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you here. So wonderful. Such, such great, important um, information. So thank you, Dr. Bora. Oh, thank you. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also Shell Bell Boutique. 
featuring today's fashions and accessories for women and girls. Visit shellbell.com for more information. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.